Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 556, air date April 3rd, 2020. We're we'll going live with uh, Bishop Larry Gator on Global Spiritual Radio. I'm on iHeartRadio, be starting with Bishop Larry Gator shortly, so please join us. So Bishop Larry Gators is inviting people, this is a syndicated radio show that goes everywhere, so I'll be repeating his questions, what he's asking, and hopefully everyone can hear him. Thank you, um, um, Bishop. It's great to be here. You know, we have also some audience listening to us, my followers on YouTube and Twitter, so I'll um, also let them know, and they may have some interesting questions too, but um, thank you again for that very nice, very nice and sweet introduction. I appreciate that. Continue to send in your questions right now at Global Spiritual. 
revolutionradio at yahoo.com. Again, quickly, beloved, global spiritual revolution radio at yahoo.com. I, I felt the leading from the mind of God to invite this great man of God. He is highly, and I mean highly, uh, recommended by a lot of my colleagues in the radio industry. And we want to discuss tonight um, the topic, Fauci, Gates, Soros, Zuckerberg, deep state players within COVID-19. Again, Fauci, Gates, Soros, Zuckerberg, uh, deep state players within COVID-19. And, and, and Dr. Shiva, uh, my first question is, and I heard you on another um, podcast, radio show, uh, recently, powerful, powerful information that you gave that um, that the human anatomy has 380 trillion viruses in our bodies, 60 trillion bacteria within the human anatomy, 6 trillion cells within our bodies. So my first question is, sir, how does a virus replicate and grow within um, the human genome within the body. That's number one. And number two, if you can just explain to our listeners, because there's a lot of confusion coming through people like Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks concerning the true nature of COVID-19. What is COVID-19? And what is uh, COVID-19 uh, not, sir? Um, what say you? Great. Okay. So basically, I think uh, Bishop. I can call you Bishop, right? Is that okay, Bishop? Or okay. So, so Bishop, I think the two questions that you asked are quite interesting questions. The first question um, really has to do with how does a virus, you know, replicate itself? Essentially, how does a virus, um, you know, come in and take over the cellular machinery? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. And what is COVID nineteen, and what is it not? Right. So. It's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, so first of all, um, if you look at the human body, we have about six trillion cells, you know? That's the total number of cells in the human body and those cells are distributed across many, many uh, organs, right? And within different tissues. And then with the cells are essentially machinery, right? They're basically, uh, think of them as factories. And different cells have different uses um, we probably have a hundred different cell types, a hundred to two hundred different cell types, and these cells are, um, you know, they're they're almost like a whole community of people who participate together, like the blacksmith, right, or the the plumber or the fireman, and they all work together. They have very particular functions. It's quite fascinating how nature built all these engines, and um, so so that's six trillion of these cells. Um, separate from that, we have about. Um, you know, 60 trillion bacteria among us, right? The bacteria, and a lot of them are in the gut, in the gut, what's called the microbiome. And then we have another six times that, about 380 trillion um, viruses, which now is called the virome, V-I-R-O-M-E. And what's fascinating is these viruses collaborate with the bacteria, and they basically, it's like, we're not just ourselves, we're this entire ecosystem. So that's the first thing. So how does a virus from the externally get into us? So if you look at a typical virus, um, but, but just one step before that, our bodies every day, every cell, uh, Bishop, has what's called machinery to take what's called a piece of nucleic acid. So if you look at the nucleus of the cell, there's something called DNA. And the DNA from time to time, and it's occurring all the time, 
um, produces um, half of itself um, in what's called messenger RNA, which is, think about the double-stranded DNA, the helix people typically see in those nice diagrams. Now take half of that, slice down the middle, and a piece of that, that's called a gene, okay? And that is translated through a process called where messenger RNA, which is a half of that cut down the middle and a little portion of that, leaves a nucleus and it goes to something called the ribosome. And that um, machinery takes that input of that messenger RNA and it creates what are called proteins. Well, what, why is a protein important? Those proteins are pieces um, of uh, proteins connected together create what's called molecular machinery, right? Like functions, like the color of your eye, right? How long your nose is gonna be, that kind of thing, okay? Now what happens is when a virus comes in, so now think, so that's the cell, right? You got a big cell, imagine a big bubble with this nucleus, et cetera, and all the stuff floating in the big bubble. That's your, one of those six trillion cells. Now when a virus lands, think about the virus as almost, you know, like, remember the old lunar module landing on the moon? The little head and it lands with its, well, that's how these viruses actually look like. It's quite fascinating. It almost looks like someone made them. When you look at them, when I first saw them, I said, Jesus Christ, this is uh, um, quite amazing that God or whatever nature has created these things. They look too perfect, Bishop, in, in some wonderful way. So they land on the cell, right? And inside this virus are several things. Inside of it is nucleic acids. Remember I told you that little, very much similar to that messenger RNA. So, you know, when you see those pictures of the coronavirus, you see the outside spikes and then the outer wall, and then inside of it is nucleic acids. Now, the outer part of the virus, what it's trying to do, think of that as a module landing on your cell, it's trying to get its nucleic acids into you. So they will float down into your cellular machinery like the ribosomes, and, and its genetic program will be used to create itself. It's quite amazing. So inside every of these virus particles, almost like a seed, is a way to replicate itself. And the way it replicates itself is to use you, in fact, use your cellular machinery. So the virus lands on your cell and its ability to enter your cell or become part of your cell really determines what's called the infectivity rate. Now in the, in the case of the SARS virus, um, it is very similar to the uh, by the way, the coronavirus is a whole class of viruses, flu viruses. Okay, just think about it, flu viruses. Um, SARS was one of them which caused respiratory infection, acute respiratory infection. And this also causes respiratory infection. The difference is that inside of the ball of that virus, inside the, 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 the ball everyone sees, the nucleic acids are a little bit different than the SARS. In fact, they're different by around 1500 base sequences. So when that virus particle lands, the outer part of that virus tries to stick onto what's called a receptor, Bishop. So the receptors are stuff sticking off of your cell's surface. And it's like a docking station, you know? If they dock, then the virus is able to connect and put its nucleic acids into you. Or sometimes there's different ways that the entire virus is enveloped by your cell and then it gets in, okay? But regardless, once it gets in, the nucleic acids are almost like a blueprint that goes through your cellular machinery to actually create itself. And that's called viral replication. So one way you can stop a virus is to make sure it never even gets near your cell walls, right? Or near, near your cell membranes to be specific, right? It, it's never even allowed. The other thing is when it tries to enter, it's not able to get in. The third way is when it enters and puts its nucleic acids into you, 
uh, it's never it, it's inhibited there and you stop it from ever replicating so that's what many of these drugs try to do bishop they try to stop that replication process i hope that answered that first question now now with covid yeah so so you can think about really the lunar module that's what they look like you know now when you think about with covid what's interesting is um there have been by the way coronaviruses are a whole class of flu like uh flu flu viruses there's many of them sars had a very um uh low infectivity rate which means it wasn't able to get in and replicate itself as good as this one um and mirrors also had a low infectivity rate however this has a high I mean, I mean this has a higher infectivity rate which means it's able to dock and put its stuff into you and infect you but according to the data it has a much lower mortality rate sars i believe was 10 to 15 percent mirrors was around 40 percent and this is around i mean we don't know what the numbers actually are because the way that they're cooking the books in some ways the way the who and the cdc are working together how they code this um, so we don't really know what the denominator is, right? So, but we do know, you know, it infects a lot, but you know, 60 million people got H1N1 and I think there are about 60,000 deaths, right? About 0.1% in the United States. Uh, we have not reached that level here. Um, and I think we can talk about broadly what this means from a scientific perspective, but also from a political perspective, uh, uh, how much of the fear mongering has taken place and Fauci knows what he's doing. He's a very sophisticated politician. That's what he is. He's, um, you know, he's been there for 40 years. Wow. So he is a part, and, and, and again, we are talking with Dr. Shiva tonight here and only here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio. I am so excited uh, uh, about you tonight, uh, man of God, as we are uh, dissecting um, and, and talking about this topic, Fauci Gates. George Soros, Zuckerberg, and these names are going to come up during the duration of tonight's uh, broadcast. These are deep state players. And so then it, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Sheba, it seems like the president is surrounded by sharks, by these so-called scientists who are nothing more than deep state swamp creatures uh, surrounding the president who are not actually helping the president. But in actuality, they are undermining the president. Am I correct in saying that, sir? Yeah. So let's talk about this. I think the fundamental. I think Bishop, what you're bringing up is, I think as you shared, is you have the president of the United States who went through one attempt to, you know, end his presidency, which was a Russian collusion that failed. The second one was the impeachment, which also failed. So this is sort of the third attempt. And if you think about it this way. Let's just sort of go back. You know, I'm a big guy, Bishop, who really believes people need to understand systems. And if people understand how systems work, they can themselves figure out the rest. So my goal is to just be a, a catalyst for imparting the knowledge that I learned for many, many years from systems. So we talked about, uh, we'll get to the immune system, but we talked about the viral replication systems process. Let's also talk about the academic system. One of the things people need to understand is how the academia actually works. You know, at the time of Christ, right, you had the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? They were the, quote unquote, the academic elite of the time, right? In India, you had the priesthood, right? The quote unquote priesthood doesn't mean they were connected to God, but they presented themselves as they had access to certain knowledge um, because only they knew it. And they had some direct connection to a, to a God that they presented to the public. So in this case, academia 
uh, presents itself as the people who know it all. And um, I've mentioned this before, in 1961, President Kennedy gave a very, very famous, well, it wasn't, I, I shouldn't say famous, but to me it was a famous speech as a scientist, to the National Academy of Sciences. And what Kennedy was saying was to these scientists, he was saying, you know, we as humanity, or we as the American democracy is entering a very new era where the, the problems of the world are very complex, right? Well, how do we implement a transportation system, a healthcare system? What should be the medical system for with, with vaccines coming out, right? All this kind of stuff. And he was telling these scientists, the problem with democracy we have is that democracy is supposed to be by the people for the people. But when it comes to these major decisions like um, you know, complex systems issues, we rely on you, and he was talking to these 2,500 scientists to help us make those decisions. So think about, think about that. What, what he was saying was the conundrum of democracy was we were relying on a very small set of people to guide the future of everyone. And he end, in his speech, he said that um, outsourcing, in some ways, he didn't use that word, that's me, is based on the assumption that you are disinterested, objective third parties. I'll repeat that. Disinterested means you don't have a horse in the game. You're objective. You truly care about your noble duty of doing science. So that's the framework. But we know that is no longer true because science has become infiltrated by massive amounts of money, corporate money, and it's pay to play. So specifically how this works is in the system of academia. Let's say Bishop, you or you know anyone listening here um, uh, decides that they want to get an academic position, become a full professor at Harvard, right? And they just got out of graduate school with their fresh PhD. Well, the way it works is you have seven years. It's a little clock is ticking. You have seven years as a young PhD to go through the academic process. And after those seven years, you'll be judged whether you become a professor. And, and, um, and that professorship, what's called tenure, which means you get a job for life, you become part of the uh, aristocratic elite, is based on how many papers did you publish. And this is even more interesting. Not only how many papers that how many papers did your peers say was also a good paper? Okay, so, so it's a very interesting racket, right? So if I publish a thousand papers and you're the leader in the field of cancer, let's say Bishop, and I'm doing cancer research, but you never say my paper was good, like you never cite my paper, guess what? I won't get tenure. So what this incent, you follow? So what this incentivizes is a um, kissing up behavior to the existing old guard. So if you want to get tenure, you better write stuff that's in alignment with the current theories. So for example, the sun goes around the earth, right? That should be your theory if you're Galileo. If you don't do that and you say the earth goes around the sun, you're going to be destroyed, okay? So if you say, for example, wait a minute, the immune systems, the overreaction of the immune system, uh, and the cytokine storm, you know, and you really talk about that and you say, hey, we need to increase nutrition and we need to do preventative medicine. Why are we focused on vaccines all the time? Well, you probably will never, ever get a full-time job in academia because your, your peers, that's why they call it peer-reviewed, are never going to support you. So that's the racket, right? So what's happened since 1970 with the Mansfield Amendment, which moved large amounts of money to, uh, in scientific research to be highly politicized, this means if you're a young researcher, young PhD, you have to kiss up to get tenure, right? You have to fall in line. And you know what they do? They get rid of all the guys who are actually the real scientists. I mean, not to say they've gotten rid of all of them, 
but you're thrown on the wayside at big institutions and you better fall in line. And let me tell you how interesting this is. So a guy like Fauci, who has been an insider for years, he's sort of a kingpin. He controls a lot of the flow of money to major institutions. And it's not like direct, it's more like, you know, they're part of the club. They hang out at the same parties, right? They go to the same clubs, right? Hey, this guy's doing great work, great fund him. But the immense amount of power that a guy like that has, he could make a few phone calls to the pre presidents of a few universities. And, you know, those universities are beholden to him, whether they get funding for the biological sciences. So, and if they don't get funding, they don't have enough money to support their graduate students and you probably are not going to get tenure. So my point is the entire academic establishment is basically an ass kissing up model. I hate to say this, right? It's who you bow down to up in that chain, okay, all the way up. So now you have students coming in, right? Students with $200,000 loans. They don't question their professors because they have to get an A to get a good job. So the entire model is no longer based on true academic free speech to academic debate, questioning. It's really based upon who you bow down to up the line because that's how you get credited. That's why we've created such an unfortunate, uh, fortunately it's not, it's less than 50% still, right? That's those people voted for Trump, right? It's still, but it's a population of the vulnerable, quote unquote, educated elites. The people who are trained to repeat, fall in line, become drones. The people when the government says, okay, everyone stay here, now do this, now do this, now get ready for vaccines, okay. Forget about people recognizing the power of the sun and vitamin D and vitamin A and nutrition and that you should take care of your body and forget the fact that the lawyer lobbies who run this world have destroyed our food, our air and our water right through poisoning it. Forget discussing that. Fauci will never discuss that because Fauci is part of the, you know, the pharmaceutical, uh, the big pharma. He's essentially their front man. His friends are Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, the Clinton Global Initiative and the Chinese. Okay. These people have very, very close relationships with the Chinese. They work together with them. They work together with two other organizations, the World Health Organization and the CDC. And the entire goal right now is mandated medicine, top-down medicine. Forget that you respect the God-given body that you were given. You use your own intelligence and your own int intuition to figure out what's right for you. The goal is to remove all of that and absorb that into the state. So in many ways, it's fascist pharma Fauci, you know? That's what's going on. And, and, and the other F they use is fear. Fear mongering all throughout. And this has been the narrative of pharmaceutical companies for a long time. You massively scare the hell out of people. And then you, you, know, you sell fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's the old IBM selling model, you know? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Wow. And, and you know what? And, and to our uh, Global Spiritual Revolution partners and to also um, the listeners of uh, Dr. Shiva, uh, we are discussing Fauci, Gates, Source, Zuckerberg, deep state players. And these people, Dr. Little Midget, Tony Fauci, George Soros, Bill Gates, through the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, Mark Zuckerberg, through the uh, Sean Zuckerberg Initiative, financially backed Event 201. And I want you to talk on that as well. Did this event... Yeah, so... Yeah, so... It, yeah, yeah, so... Yes, yeah, so it's a great point. So look... Um, what's happening, if Event 201 was essentially a, a little a performance art piece they did, right? It was a rehearsal, right? That's what you're referring to, right, Bishop? It was a, 
uh, a running through of what what happens if we get a pandemic and actually you know uh, and, and it's very very uh, uh, similar to what's taking place now but why are they doing that what is the end goal here follow the money you know let's follow uh, profit uh, power and control and if you follow the money what you find is that pharmaceutical companies which I'm talking about drugs drugs are different than natural products right that come in nature drugs are different than a vaccine drugs go through a very particular regulatory process it takes about 10 to 12 years to get a drug through the FDA you have to do animal testing you have to do test tube testing then you have to do phase one phase two phase three clinical trials Bishop it's a long process and the drug that comes out of that process we uh, they have side effects typically and we as people can sue the drug company if they hurt us right like Vioxx was an example in fact Every year, 1.9 million hospitalizations take place from adverse reactions to drugs. About 200,000 people a year die from prescription drugs. So now that market, which the pharmaceutical companies do not want you to know, they're actually failing at it. They're, every year they put 30% more in, investments in R&D and they're getting less and less new drug allowances. Even the FDA, Bishop, recognizes the toxicity of many of these drugs. So they're not even letting them get out to the public. Okay, so so now you take the other uh, another area. So pharma companies are saying, Jesus Christ, excuse me, sorry about that. We're not going to make it out of this. We're going to die as as pharma companies. So what are they what are they saying? They're saying, well, the opportunity uh, may be uh, that what we can do is we can go to a different realm, right? Maybe we go into vaccines. Why? because vaccines do not have any type of regulatory uh, framework. Because in 1986, when the vaccine courts were created, right? When the vaccine courts were created, um, I'm not sure what happened here. I'm just gonna restart this up. So when the vaccine courts were created, in the, uh, they essentially allowed in 1986, um, total indemnification of the pharmaceutical companies. In 1962, John Kennedy signed into law the Vaccination Act. And after that, a lot of people are getting injured, lots of lawsuits. So 1986's brother, Ted Kennedy, uh, sponsored a bill which essentially indemnified the vaccine manufacturers, which means we can't sue them, okay? We have to go to a vaccine court. They created a different court in under Health and Human Services. They basically uh, violated the Constitution. They took out judicial powers from the courts and they created their own court, Bishop, in health and human services. So if you want to sue the pharma company who made that vaccine that injured your child, you can't do that. You have to go to this vaccine court and the limit there's a limitation of liability, about $250,000 for death. So think about this now, pharma companies are uh, massive regulations and drugs. So they're saying, wow, we can go to vaccines, no liability. In fact, of the 30 vaccines created for children, that the CDC uh, has the guidelines, not one of them is uh, double-blind saline placebo-controlled tested, okay? Because they don't have to go through the regulatory framework of drugs. So what we've created is a multi-trillion dollar opportunity. So think about you, you're a pharma company, wow, we're losing money with drugs, let's move over to vaccines. Now, drug companies are phenomenal, big pharma, at using public relations. They are phenomenal at fear-mongering. They're phenomenal at bringing together many partners. And that's where the Gates Foundation, that's where the Clinton Global Initiative, that's where the Chan Zuckerberg 
um, individuals come in. All three of these foundations are vaccines, 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 vaccines. You know, that's their mantra because they think they're the neo-missionaries, the top down, that they know better than us, that they know better than, uh, and they're going to solve the world's problems. You know, that's, that's where they're coming from. So we have to understand that there's a huge amount of money here. If it even means crashing the U.S. economy, you know, six, seven trillion we have to print, they're looking at making seven to ten trillion dollars a year. By the end result of this is going to be Fauci becomes their hero for saying everyone should get force vaccinated. You can't get your car license. You can't go to your gym. Your neighbors, the drones, if they live around you, you know, the educated elites will also force you to do this. That's where this is headed. That's where the big payday is. This is just, you know, they're playing this out. The huge paydays, you create enough fear. Next year, this time, your neighbors may come knocking on your door of police to tell you you better get vaccinated. Yep. Which was a, which is a simulation and exercise and in connection, like you said, to the United Nations, to the World Health Organization, whose Secretary General is really tight, not only with the Chinese but with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burke. So it seems like when we're talking about this deep state swamp of, of pharmaceutical companies and the deep um, state swamp of doctors. They have no interest in the American people. Am I correct in saying this, Dr. Sheba? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the fundamental point here that we need to understand is that uh, if you follow the money, you will realize it's about power, profit, and control. And it lets people sort of simplify this um, discussion here to really understand what's going on, what we're looking at is that you have, a, you have a set of people who have a, a, a deep interest in actually, um, um, I'm losing battery juice here, so you're gonna have to do this for a second. Okay. Um, so let me connect it here, one second. I'm just gonna connect here, there. Um, um, yeah, so what we fundamentally have is we have a situation um, where you have a, a finite set of people who wanna want have massive control uh, to uh, human capital and, and control of systems. So this really comes down. Um, this really comes down to um, that level of power, profit, and control. So the three organizations you're talking about, and particularly Tedros, who's from WHO. Look, when all of this settles, the amount of corruption we're going to see with the WHO and the CDC and the Chinese will eventually come out. Because what you notice in this is the WHO um, does something fascinating. When you go into your doctor's office. You know, hopefully no one has to go to the doctor's office, but if you do, um, something interesting happens, right? When you walk in, you know, with the insurance providers, um, you have to, they diagnose you, right? So they give you a diagnosis code and that diagnosis code determines um, how the insurance companies essentially are going to pay you, right? Whether they're going to pay you uh, what amount that you're going to, that's called the diagnosis code. That diagnosis code is created by the WHO, okay? They're international codes, Bishop. The, so when you go into the doctor's office and the nurse, after they do, you know, come in and you have your checkup and, you ha and they say, okay, you have this, 
that this is a code. Those codes are created by the WHO. They're, they're international codes of diagnosis. But in your, but then the procedure that you get for that code is called a procedure code, which is done by the AMA. Okay, so these two codes. So what happened with COVID was the WHO, as I understand recently, I'm doing more investigation, but I'm getting sort of insider news on this that the WHO created two codes for COVID. One was if you actually tested positive for COVID, okay? Um, and th that code um, was definitive tests. And by the way, there's a lot of problems with these tests, but let's give them that. The second one was a squishy code. Well, it sort of smells, feels like COVID, right? But we don't know if it actually is COVID, okay? Um, um, so based on that, it's good. So based on that, they created these two codes, okay? And these two codes um, were used uh, in Italy, for example. So when people came in, some of the people actually had it. They said a COVID, but other people sort of smell, looked and feel like it. Remember in Italy, 38% uh, of the population is over the age of 65. So if someone came in with, oh my God, my chest is painting COVID, okay? Sort of smells like it, even though they didn't have the data for it. So in the United States, the CDC and someone, if they wanted to be a sort of a citizen investigator, sent letters out to hospital administrators who are incentivized, right, to code things certain ways. It means more money for the hospital. So they sent out basically saying, it doesn't really matter. Basically lump all of it into code one, essentially, okay? And I, I've, 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 uh, people have reviewed this email with me. So even if someone dies and they didn't get the test results back, they're putting them as COVID. So what we have going on from the WHO, the CDC, Fauci, you're looking at the Gates. By the way, Fauci sits on the leadership council of the Gates Foundation, okay? All of these people are one big, quote unquote, insidious family. And they all think to everyone listening that they know better than you and me. They think they're smarter. They think they're better. That's what they think they really are. They actually think they're better than us. And so whether, and this is something very fundamental people need to understand, Bishop, they actually think they're better than us. Right? So, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and forgive me for cutting off, Doctor. It's that there is a condescending psyop that the establishment, more specifically from the left, looks down on uh, populism. It seems like the establishment, not just within the, you know, the military-industrial complex, within the medical and the science-industrial complex, but also within the financial-industrial complex, they're so condescending, Dr. Shiva, in their attitude of how they perceive uh, working men and women here in this in, in this nation. Am, am I correct in saying this? Yeah, I think, I think look, Lincoln brought this up. I think at every point in human history, things don't, you know, things change, but they don't change mu uh, as much as we think if we don't, are, are not willing to fight for freedom. It's always been freedom versus slavery. Lincoln talked about it in, you know, 1860, right? Kennedy talked about it in 1960, and we need to talk about it because the fundamental issue here is about freedom or slavery. And when you think about it, you use the word military industrial academic complex, and you use the word about them not having value for working people. I think you really, really hit on something really important here, Bishop, because look, when I, as people know, in the last week, I've been very, very defiant and fierce at calling out Fauci. 
because no one will call him out. Why? Because the academic establishment owes money to him. I don't owe anything to him because I earned everything. You know, I got I got all my degrees on my own. I, I created my own businesses. I have my own research institution, so I don't owe a penny to these guys. So if you think about it this way, the denial of each individual, everyone listening, everyone here, innovation is in our DNA, right? Uh, there's a spark of God in all of us, right? Depending on what you know, how you want to perceive this. And the essence of being a human being is each one of us to express our creativity and our and our own unique nature, right? Of immense light and spirit and all of that. Now, what they think, Bishop, is they're the only ones who are smart enough. Only the Zuckerberg who drops out of Harvard can create Facebook. Only the Bill Gates who drops out of Harvard. By the way, his parents helped him out. He he paid for DOS. He didn't really innovate DOS, right? They're the only ones. Now, the reason I want to bring this up, it's very deeply connected. You, you reminded me of something very important. Is in the about four days ago, five days ago, when I started attacking Fauci hard, they try to use one ad hominem, and they use two of these minority young little toddler journalists. And the New York Times is a piece of garbage newspaper at this point. And then what they said was Tom Fitton, I think Bill Mitchell, right wingers, and Shiva Adre, who made false claims to inventing email, which is an absolute lie. Right, so that's all they said. They did not discuss my science. And the reason they talked about email is something very, very important, Bishop, because email was created by a young 14-year-old boy before he came into the military industrial complex of MIT, not in Silicon Valley, not in uh, Massachusetts. It was done in Newark, New Jersey, a predominantly African-American place in a small medical college in 1978 and furthermore, when I was solving a civilian communication problem, not a military problem. You see, I was trying to take secretaries who were amazing people, who were my friends, my customers, and I was given this task as a 14-year-old kid to convert the entire, remember the old-fashioned inter-office mail system, inbox, folders, you know, the secretaries were always a woman, hard-working woman who'd write the memo, and they create these memos and these documents um, to help the entire huge organizations function. If we didn't have women and secretaries, none of those organizations would have functioned. But the central technology of, of that time in those organizations was the paper-based inter-office mail system. The memo, they'd do carbon paper, they'd attach little paper clips. And I was asked to convert that entire system, the entire system, into the electronic version. I'm not talking about sending simple little text messages. I'm talking about that whole system, inbox, outbox, folders. And a 14-year-old kid did it in Newark, New Jersey. And I named it email, a term never used before in the English language. And I got the first US copyright acknowledging me as the inventor of email in 1982. So I called it email, wrote the code, etc. And the thing was, this was done before I came to MIT. In a health sciences institution, not by the military industrial academic complex. So that woman at the New York Times, you know, these two women who I think one was a Oriental woman and one was a uh, you know person of color. It's interesting. They always find these Aunt Jemimas, okay, to hit people of, of color so they can protect themselves. So what they did was basically deny this humanity that only. I could be deemed an innovator with my four degrees at MIT. Look, I did many things at MIT, you know, after I entered MIT and during, but that was okay, you see? When you're at MIT inventing, when you have the Harvard brand, that's cool, that's fine, we'll accept that. 
But if you say that email was invented before you came in Newark by a 14-year-old boy, that blows their mind because what that says is all of us are amazing beings of light. All of us are creative. But they want to congeal that, oh, only Bill Gates who looks like a little nerd and talks a certain way. You have to look, feel, and act like a nerd and then you're an inventor. By the way, TV was invented by a 14-year-old boy in, in, in a small town in, 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 um, in Idaho, okay? So, when you look at the history of creation, you know, the Spirit of God is everywhere in every human being. These people are the devils. They actually want to limit where innovation takes place, okay? They want to say that Fauci is the one who's going to determine the future health, but only he. And the fact that none of the mainstream media, it, 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 they're so a, a pissed off that an MIT PhD in biological engineering, who's won a Fulbright Award, written in, in major journals, dares question this guy. So they have to use ad hominem. And everyone listening should recognize that the invention of email, it's not about me, but it's all about you. It, the fact is that great things can be created by ordinary people, separate from the bastions of power. And that's what this is about. What we're looking here in front of us is a set of devils, evil people, who want to deny people's humanity. That's ultimately what this is about. And people need to realize that we need to wake up and we need to recognize that the human body and the human immune system, when we take care of it, with sun, number one, vitamin D, our body produces amazing chemicals called catholicidins, which create bullets which blow up these viruses, okay? And here's Fauci, not one word about vitamin D, not one word. Vitamin A, fresh fruits and vegetables, the dark, dark ones, you know, they create walls around our cells to protect us. You see, not one word about that. Where's the testing on people's vitamin A levels? Where's the testing on people's vitamin D? But the reality is these devils, what they have done is destroyed the air, they've destroyed the water, they've destroyed the food in this country. And because of that, we have immunocompromised people. They don't want to address that, Bishop. They don't want to call states of emergency on that, but they will call a state of emergency on a quote unquote a virus. By the way, viruses don't kill us. It's an overreactive immune system. And when that immune system overreacts, it's because we've hurt ourselves too much sugar, right? Too much, you know, glyphosate pesticides which screw up our gut microbiome. None of this is ever addressed. And that's why Fauci and these people need to be indicted. They're criminals. Bill Gates is a criminal. Mark Zuckerberg, his wife, all of these people, they do not want to talk about, they'll eat, by the way, they have their beautiful organic farms, I can guarantee you, okay? They make sure their kids get good food. They make sure they're taking the supplements. So these people are criminals, absolute criminals. Uh, and, and, you know, people need to, I think the more we wake up and we recognize this, we better get ready for round two next year after all of this settles is, yeah. world-renowned scientists, uh, one of the greatest minds, I believe, not just here in the Western Hemisphere, but around the world, the Honorable Dr. Shiva uh, Adori, uh, all the way uh, from New York, New Jersey, and he is a world-renowned um, scientist, one of the greatest thinkers here in America today, and I believe um, Doc, um, President uh, Trump, Donald J. Trump, who I believe is ordained and anointed by God, Dr., to lead us out of this mess. And I believe to, not only to Dr. Shiva, to all of our listeners, I believe 
President Trump has to reach out to Dr. Sheba. And to all of our listeners, contact the president. Write him letters, send emails, because Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks mean the president no good, okay? 609-614-3801. Again, quickly, beloved, 619-609-614-3801. Continue sending your questions. We'll get to them during the second half of the broadcast at Global Spiritual Revolution Radio at Yahoo.com. Again, quickly, beloved, Global Spiritual Revolution Radio at Yahoo.com here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio through the Life Radio Network. 92.9 So anyway, to people listening here also, the question is, why um, are the Chinese allowed to pollute the world more and more? So what's fascinating is you'll find that the people who promote the quote unquote uh, climate change, and I put it in double quotes because I want to talk about that, are the same people who promote the narrative we need to vaccinate everyone. Okay, so let's let's follow this through in. Um, 
uh, there was a book that was written by this guy Al Gore, who's not a scientist, who uh, um, failed in many, many things. His, his parents essentially propped him up, right? Every step of the way. He wrote a book, I believe, called Earth in a Balance in the 80s. And in the book, he said, like Nazis are, you know, it was uh, anti-Semitism is what's related to, um, you know, global warming. Crazy connections he made. But anyway, what, um, what, what, uh, what Gore's, con so at the time when all this was going on, there was a confluence of the global elite who wanted to essentially um, create this concept of a one world government. So the IPCC was one of the first organizations created uh, to try to push forward this concept of carbon um, as the problem, right? And so they initially said that the earth was warming, right? And based on that warming, we needed to cool down the earth. And um, that was the essence of the IPCC. Now, how did they, um, how did they determine all this, right? Well, they determined all of this using quote-unquote fake science but let's give them let's say use science so how does the earth actually how does this a climate work right at a broad at a very simple level i think everyone will agree climate changes right climate does change so i'm not a climate change denier climate does change co2 is a greenhouse gas we'll all agree to that okay greenhouse gases do increase temperature right the issue in science though when you're a real scientist it's not all of those are true but the issue is how much right how much does CO2 increase greenhouse gas, right? That's the fundamental question. So in order to calculate this, what they did was they created a mathematical model, okay? And that model goes the following way. I'm gonna very simply put the following way. You have the sun, which is around 6,000 degrees, and the sun puts out around 340 watts per meter of radiation, which hits the earth. Again, just think about the number 340. And what the Earth tries to do is stay in balance, right? 140 of that 340 bounces off the atmosphere. The remaining 200 uh, watts of energy which comes in has to also get out. And the way it gets that out is through a process called convection. No different than if you're heating a you know, boiling pot of water. You know, you have the surface, you boil the water and all this, you know, the, the anyway, that is what happens. The Earth is that stove and there's two interacting fluids, the, the atmosphere, which is a fluid, and the oceans, and they interact in a very, very complex way. In fact, we can't even solve what's called the turbulent problem, and because of that, Bishop, um, uh, it's very hard to solve these problems, so they've created models, mathematical models, okay? So based on those models, they are convincing us that the entire world is gonna come to an end, and we need to lower CO2. Okay, now if you actually open up the recent IPCC report and you read it, you'll find an interesting graph in there, okay, from this modeling. It's, and, and the model is predictions of how much ice will melt in the Arctic, okay? And you know what it is? It's not like one beautiful curve saying, okay, in, by 2030 the ice is gonna melt. There are actually 40 different curves, 40 different predictions. One, one model predicts zero ice will melt, and the other model predicts 100%, and there's a, a 40, 38 different flavors in between. This is not science. This is called indeterminate It's It's indeterminate. This would be like Isaac Newton saying, Newton saying, okay, an apple falls from a tree, and one model says the apple will be suspended at two feet in the air, another model says three feet, another model, you see what I'm saying? That's not science. But 
because of you know MIT gets 20 to 40 million dollars you put anything with climate change bed bugs and climate change right aardvarks and climate change you will be funded and they've created a bogus field called climate science when there is no field like that understanding climate is actually fluid mechanics and radiative physics so they've created it they've manufactured a field manufactured models and the intention here is to make sure every man woman and child just like vaccines we are all taxed on a piece of what's called carbon taxes okay so what they did was the ipcc allowed china so the, the paris accords allows china to pollute an, uh, in two years ago they were at 11 billion metric tons of carbon 11 billion well guess what they're allowed to pollute to until 2030 22 billion so how is that good for the environment none of the none of these liberal elites who partied out there you know probably got wasted out there hanging out in Paris and Rio, etc. You ask them, tell me the benefit of the Paris Accords. They don't have any answer because it, it, it increases pollution. And we have to understand that all of us in humanity want to lower pollution, right? They, this allows them to increase pollution. And in 2030, you know what, what China will have to do? They have to buy carbon credits to offset their pollution. Well, there's a minimal amount of carbon credits which are traded on the stock market and they're gonna explode in value and a few people are gonna become trillionaires. That's what this is about. Meanwhile, the earth gets more polluted. This is why in China, a lot of people don't know this, in Wuhan, where that virus came from, six months before, there were massive protests of the Chinese exploited people protesting on the streets, willing to risk their lives, tens of thousands being beaten by the police. And finally, the Chinese government said, okay, we're not gonna build this big incinerator plant. And then six months later, you well, think about what else was going on. Hong Kong, this uh, massive protest. Protests in France, everyone's forgotten about these, right? Protests in Venezuela. Two populist pres uh, presidents and prime ministers got elected, Prime Minister Modi and prime Minister, uh, President Trump, right? So you have protests everywhere. The Chinese don't like that because they basically want to exploit all of these. The deep staters don't like this. So you have this beautiful fear mongering. All the protests disappear. And how do we know many of the people who were beaten and suddenly, you know, you, you saw what was going on in Wuhan weren't dissenters? I mean, we don't hear what happened to all the protesters in Hong Kong. You know, what happened to these people? Gone. The media doesn't even discuss them. So that's why when I tweeted that out, Three years ago, uh, three weeks ago, Bishop, I said this incident is basically about suppressing dissent, destroying healthy economies or economies, and furthermore, mandating medicine. That's what this is about. This was architected. It was beautifully planned out. And the next thing is this is this is sort of their, you know, sort of their version 1.0 of the dress rehearsal they did with Event 201, right? And they're going to get better and better at doing this until we wake up and realize that if we care about our health, if they truly cared about immune health, Bishop, truly about our health, if they really did it, if they really wanted to, we would get rid of every lawyer lobbyist in Congress and we would focus on why is a company like Monsanto even exist? Why is it that the water systems in the United States, I mean, I get it. I live in supposedly a nice neighborhood here. Our water bill says, please be careful. The pipes have lead in them. Okay, come on. So the, the politicians have destroyed the infrastructure in this country. The, uh, America got a D plus. How did we actually ever resolve infectious diseases in this country? And again, I keep repeating this because I want people to understand this. In the 1900s, 
14 out of 100,000 people had infectious diseases, right? 14 out of 100,000. And it went down to 0.5 out of 100,000. And how did that happen? In infrastructure, vitamin A, nutrition, we ended child labor, sanitation, right? Refrigeration. And that infrastructure came out because as, as we just referred, the working people rose up militantly. It wasn't some namby-pamby type thing in the late 1800s and demanded that. And that's why they gave working people infrastructure. And that's when infectious diseases actually came down long before vaccines. So the hardworking plumber, the hardworking sanitation worker, the hardworking truck drivers, they did more for infectious diseases than did any pharmacist or doctor. That's the truth. And today we have an infrastructure problem. We have dirty water, Chinese are polluting the air, and that aspect the governments cannot handle, but these governors of these states are very quick, right, to quarantine us, to shut us down. They can't even take care of their own bridges and roads. So th there's seepage taking place into the soil, into the water system. That's what's affecting our health. But these guys don't give a crap about our health. They, give a they want to maintain power, profit, and control. And Big Pharma is their front man, and Fauci is their front man. And the fact that we have not given anyone in critical care, forget coronavirus or not, 100 grams of vitamin C, proven solution for people in the ICU. Why haven't we given the elderly, you know, high dosage at least to support them, vitamin A and vitamin D? Not one word out of Fauci's mouth about that. 80,000 papers written in the literature. By the way, if you read Fauci's resume, Bishop, you'll find something interesting. This is one big red flag. Oh, he's a very eminent scientist. He cited they always say how much others have cited him, okay? That means he's part of the club. Do you know Einstein did not publish one paper peer-reviewed? Not one. Peer review is a way to control science. Einstein, one of his last papers he submitted, they said, oh, Dr. Einstein, we're going to have to send your paper for peer review. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, how can peers review new innovation? Because peers, the club, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? They want to control narratives. They don't want real fighters for truth, freedom, and health, right? They, that's what this peer review is. Peer review is keep all the, you know, all of everyone out. Keep the outsiders out. We control the science. So when people say, oh, Fauci has so many uh, cited articles, that shows he's a deep stater. They said he's the 10th most cited person in science. That shows he's part of the establishment. That means he kissed a lot of butt to get there. That's what that means, okay? And I don't understand why the NBA superstar, uh, Steph Curry, had interviewed Dr. Fauci a couple of weeks ago. That, I, I don't understand. I'll tell you why. And we have with this, yeah, go right I'll tell you why. Because these people take advantage. They and the celebrities work hand in hand, okay? Fauci, you know, he's the one who created the bogus... HIV with his friend Gallo, HIV causes AIDS. Anyone listening, let me tell you, AIDS is suppression of the immune system. There is no causal relation between HIV and AIDS. None. It was manufactured by Fauci and Gallo. So how did he do that? Well, he went to his friends in Hollywood, right? Elton John and Bono and all these people, and they ran big concerts. He got to hang out with them, okay? So now he goes to Stephen Curry because he knows that black people in the United States, by the way, this is no coincidence, are highly affected by diabetes, highly affected by infrastructure issues, right? 
black people, minorities, and poor whites, let's not forget the poor whites in this country, homelessness continues to increase largely among poor whites and veterans who are used to fight their military wars. Those people are immunocompromised. So he goes to, frankly, an ignorant person like Stephen Curry, takes advantage of him, maybe was joint, right? And what you have is that, you know, you have this joint relationship. Maybe he gets more views, more hits, and he gets to feel good. He doesn't know what Fauci is a liar. He, he has no way to assess Fauci's intellectual or scientific capabilities. And that's what you have. So Fauci is using a guy like Stephen Currier to get access to his audience. And, you know, he's got a shtick down his little glasses, his little white thing, his little tie. This is a nice performance theater piece. That's what we're witnessing. House arrests of world uh, citizens in history. They're saying today over half of the world's population had, which is around 3.8 billion, are in house arrest because of a lie. We're going to go into a, a quick two to three minute break, and oh my goodness, I wish we could keep you here all night, Dr. Shiva. We met with the uh, world renowned uh, scientist, engineer, um, the creator of email, uh, the honorable Dr. Shiva. Adore, and here, and only here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio, we will see you in about two to three minutes' time as we continue Great. Uh, part two of Bounty Gate Source Zuckerberg. Beach State players within COVID-19. We see you guys in about two minutes' time here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio. So everyone listening, I'm on uh, Global Spiritual Revolution Radio with Bishop um, Larry Gators. He's a great guy. Um, he's going to come back in three minutes, but I can take some questions here. Jen, if you're listening, you can text me any questions. Um, but anyway, as we take this quick break, people know I'm running for United States. Okay, great. So pe people know uh, I'm running for U.S. Senate. We are right in the middle of collecting signatures. The uh, And uh, our volunteers are working very hard. If people outside want to support our campaign, go to Shiva for Senate and uh, uh, you can support the campaign because one of my goals is to educate people on how systems work, how the body is a system. So if you go to shivaforsenate.com, there's a way that you can actually learn how to support the campaign by also supporting yourselves. If you donate 25 or more at the donate button, you actually get a book from me called System and Revolution, and you also get access to an amazing tool that I created with my own mind and my own bare hands, a piece of software that lets you understand how your body is a system. And using that tool, you can figure out how different inputs, food, exercise can keep you on course, support your homeostasis, or how to take you off course. And by the way, if you don't want that, that's fine. You can support our campaign by volunteering, letting your friends know. But I never feel, as I said before, good about taking money from people if I can't give you something. But uh, let me take a question here. Any questions? We have Instagram here. I have uh, YouTube running here, and I know people are listening before uh, Bishop uh, comes back. Why is Trump pushing the guys, guy and the American people, the real Indian? By the way, uh, last year I ran against Elizabeth Warren. This year I'm running against a guy called Ed Malarkey and three lawyers. So it's uh, a working class kid uh, who earned all of his degrees running against three lawyers. But Look, what's happening is that what's going on right now should be. Coming back in 30 seconds. 
open open everyone's eyes that we need people who actually have skills, who actually know things, who can figure things out, be, a, be it a plumber, an engineer, or an electrician, scientists, I don't know about scientists, but engineers who build things to actually address crises, especially in a crisis moment like this, you start realizing the importance of having people actually do work for a living versus people who are lawyer lobbyists. So let's go back with Bishop. What's that? I don't you ask Alan. I'm not sure, but um, I think this is going to be a power. Um, so we're back. Thank you so much, Brother Andrew. Continue to, continue to send in your emails. Um, they're coming in by the thousands. We may not have time to, of course, to get to every one of your questions, but we will during the duration of part two, um, during uh, the second half of tonight's program here and only here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio, uh, Life Radio Network 92.9 FM, 1460 AM here on your down in New York City, New York. You can listen to us live right now anywhere throughout the world on LifeRadioNJ.com, LifeRadioNJ.com, and also through the iHeartRadio Network and the iHeartMedia Group also here in New York City, New York, 609-614-3801. Again, beloved, 609-614-3801. And continue, please continue to send in the questions at Global Spiritual Revolution Radio at Yahoo.com. Global Spiritual Revolution Radio at Yahoo.com. And Dr. Shiva is going to give you information how you can financially support his bid um, to be the next senator of the state of Massachusetts. It is time for a change. Uh, Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren has to go. We need uh, a real, real America who, who is a real Indian and a real patriot. And that is the Honorable Dr. Shiva Adodore. He is Again, one of the greatest minds that I have ever interviewed here uh, during 20, my 25 years as the host of Global Spiritual Revolution Radio. And we are discussing the topic this evening, Fauci, Gates, Soros, Zuckerberg, deep state players within COVID-19. And we've covered so much ground, uh, on Dr. Shiva, during the first half of the broadcast. And um, some of the, the questions that are coming in, one of the questions I really want to get to before we get further into this deep state between the United Nations, the WHO, the World Health Organization, in connection financially through the Rockefeller Foundation, in connection to Beijing, China. Um, one of the questions is from one of one of our um, faithful listeners, uh, Dr. Uh, Tammy Taylor. She is all the way from um, from. Uh, New Zealand, and um, and so one of her questions, as a matter of fact, she's got a multiplicity of questions, but uh, Pastor Taylor is uh, asking you, uh, Dr. Shiva, um, concerning the probability of these base sequences. In other words, is it possible that the Wuhan virus uh, is not the same strand uh, that is in Iran versus uh, Italy in versus maybe uh, in Russia. Right. Even though these are all COVID-19, but could these sequences differ from nation to nation or to, or to country to country? Yeah, so, so so the question to people, people are asking, what am I, am I listening to something? So people uh, who are, who've joined us here, I'm actually on the phone with Bishop Larry Gator, um, Gators, who, who runs a great show. Um, uh 
uh, out of New Jersey, and he's been doing it for many, many years. It's, you're out of New Jersey, right, Bishop? Can can people listen to you live right now? Can people listen live? At what's the station number? So so if everyone wants to go to liveradionj.com, nj.com, you can listen to what he and I are talking about. But the question is, are these virus sequences different? Look, we have, like I mentioned, 380 trillion viruses in us, and they're constantly mutating, right? Everything, like climate changes, Everything in the universe is constantly changing. So when you take a virus, right, uh, it is trying to constantly be creative, okay? Life, it seems to be, wants to be always innovative and creative, right? It's the nature of life, unless you try to suppress it. So these viruses try to recreate themselves, so they constantly are changing their base sequences. Now, human beings can also go change those viruses' nucleotides. It's called genetic engineering, okay, or biological engineering. That's the department I came out of MIT. MIT in 2003 created a new department called biological engineering. Very much like chemical engineering was to chemistry, biological engineering was to be to biology. So as we as humans understand, as we reverse engineer and we start trying to understand how nature works, one of the temptations is can I go there and do it better, right? Can I do something better than what took, if you believe in natural design, from the religious perspective, if you believe in evolution, that took billions of years, regardless, you come to the point that these are finely tuned instruments which are constantly changing. So, the notion of a virus, so a virus basically, as I mentioned, you know, has a set of nucleotide bases, and they themselves can change through mutation. Um, and I think the question is, are they different? Well, some of the work that I've read shows that the Wuhan version of the current COVID-19 is a little bit different than the Iranian version, which is a little bit different than the Italian version. And there have been some thoughts that those viruses all originated, uh, perhaps even from the United States, out of Fort Detrick. It's, I mean, this is an interesting theory that's out there. And there's a theory that's out there that it goes like this, that we still haven't found patient number zero, okay? If it started in the wet market, where is the first person? But they can't find that. In fact, of the 41 first people in the Wuhan market, apparently 13 of them have no relationship to those 41 people. So one theory is it came from outside or it's a different stain of a virus. But the point is, there's some uh, open questions here, unanswered questions. So that obviously leads people to start speculating. Um, uh, so the issue is, it, it's, the viruses can definitely be different because they're constantly mutating. Right? They can mutate. Uh, one little base sequence in one area can mutate and you can get a different type of, of virus out of it. But yeah, they can definitely mutate. So, but if you want to look at it from a bioweapon standpoint, was parts of the virus engineered to have certain effects? Like, for example, could you change the base sequences so you have a higher infectivity rate? Right? That's possible. What I can tell you is, regardless of what they do, the issue comes out when we do, Bishop, right? Um, they will always do, all, when I mean they, the set of people who control massive amounts of resources and money. Ultimately, what it also happens is what we do, right? Who do we put in office? Who do we elect? By the way, I'm running this time. Last year, I ran after uh, Elizabeth Warren. You know, I sent her three DNA test kits. This time, I'm running against 
her junior senator counterpart as a Republican. His name, as a, the Democrat, his name is Ed Markey. We call him Ed Malarkey. He's been in the U.S. Uh, Congress for nearly 50 years, lifetimer. His counterpart, he's a big proponent of the New Green Deal uh, by AOC. So that's the guy I'm running against. But I, you know, Warren is always someone we should all run against. Um, but yeah, so so I think the important thing is for people to understand that these viruses are always mutating, and the issue is what do we do? And what we should do is really be focused on immune health. That's really the weapon here. Our weapon is taking care of our bodies. How do we ensure our immune health? And that's where the fight should should take place. And once we go to that perspective, we can start to see things become a lot clearer, right? Once you get that clarity, then you can really get a lot more courage and defiance to say, wait a minute, why are you keeping the entire economy locked up? Why don't we take those people who are immunocompromised, support them, quarantine them, and the others of us beef up our immune systems and go back to work? This, this is a very, very simple solution, which is, by the way, I'm sharing uh, 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 Bishop on my site, uh, people go to Shiva for Senate, there's a letter right on there, if people clicked it, it's a letter that I sent to the president proposing a holistic solution, meaning holistic for our economy, as well as for our uh, health, which is you support our health, and it's a four-part solution that's up there if people want to go see it, that, that, think, that, they, that they should review, but it's a very uh, rational solution. It's not letting one guy like Fauci control the entire conversation, the entire narrative. Yeah, I, I don't understand about him. And, to, um, and, and thank you so much, Pastor uh, uh, Tammy, all the way from uh, Willington, New Zealand. She's got more questions, but we got uh, many more uh, thousands of questions that we won't get to in tonight, but we, we got to get the doctor back really soon. As we are discussing this, these deep state players of um, Dr. Tony Midget Fauci and George Soros and, um, you know, uh, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, deep state players within COVID-19 here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio. And as Dr. Shiva said, you can listen live right now on liferadionj.com. Again, beloved, liferadionj.com and continue to send in your questions at Global Spiritual Revolution Radio at yahoo.com. Quickly, brother, global spiritual revolution radio uh, at yahoo.com. My question, uh, Dr. Shiva, if an individual uh, has tested positive for COVID 19 and they recover 100%, is it possible for that same person to recontract COVID 19 for a second time? Uh, what's the yeah, so, so the question is, to everyone listening, someone gets COVID-19, they test positive for it, can they contract it again? So let's talk about that, okay? So when you get a virus, right, <clears throat> or you get a pathogen, whatever it is, right, what happens is your body recognizes it, it's got a bunch of Marines on the front end, the innate immune system, they recognize and they try to take it out using your first... Uh, line of defense is called the non-specific innate immune system, which is the immune system in your eyes, your nose, you know, your throat, your mucous membranes, etc. And then the next step that happens is your interferon system kicks in where a whole bunch of genes get turned on and your microbiome's involved, all sorts of reactions are taking place. And at some point, an antibody gets created. So if you get chickenpox, right, 
you get the chickenpox antibody, right? And you're protected for life, right? Now, if a different variation of chickenpox comes, your body will go through the same process, okay? But for this virus, your body, which is an antigen, will create an antibody to support that. In fact, more and more data showing that when you get natural immunity, which means you're actually exposed to things, right? And your body reacts to it through its own natural processes, you get immunity for life. When you start playing around with vaccines, okay, now I'm not pro-vax or anti-vax, right? You typically have to get vaccinated again and again, right? Because the immunity depletes over time. And so the issue is for this virus, if you test positive, which means you have that antibody, you're not, you're protected against that forever, right? Unless someone creates a little variation of that. So that's what I think people need to understand that um, that's why in traditional cultures, if you go back and look at in, uh, be it Chinese medicine or Indian medicine or African cultures, right? Or I'm sure many of the traditional cultures all over the world, when in a village, if, for example, I mean, using animals or even, so if, a, if, if let's say there were 100 villagers and they were, um, had 100 horses, right, which they needed to use, let's say, to do harvesting and farming, if one horse got some disease, they would put a big bag over that horse's head, have it sneeze into it, and they would transfer that to all the other horses. Why? They wanted all the other horses to get the disease quickly. That was a way of inoculation because you couldn't, hold, let's say, you know, 10 horses got the disease and two months later, another 10. You basically disrupt the entire economy of that village. So people knew the concept of inoculation, okay? Different than vaccination. They gave the whole virus. Now, obviously, if there was a very unhealthy immunocompromised horse who was on drugs a lot, right? Fooling around all day and night, right? His, its immune system was compromised, right? It was probably going to die from that, okay? But the typical healthy horse survives, it gets inoculated and we move forward. So we're not talking about, a, 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 you know, this was a natural process. In fact, it was an African slave who brought this technique of variolation where the Africans would make a slight incision on the forearm and give the entire virus to someone, right? Not like some man-made version. And this was the way they did inoculation. That technique called variolation, Bishop, was what Washington used to inoculate nearly 40,000 of the troops thinking that the British were gonna unleash smallpox. And, um, but that was a whole virus, you see what I'm saying? So the notion of if you have healthy people and you expose them like chickenpox parties or measles parties, your body gets stronger. And in fact, more and more data showing that the virus, the, the, the inoculation and the resistance you get actually protects you against other diseases. The people should just go measles, people who got measles and who got protected and the correlation between that and cancer, significant, right? So these viruses and your body's resilience to it protects your body against many other viruses. But I don't see Fauci talking about, he's a guy who created the HIV AIDS pandemic scare. Now he's creating the next scare. So that's what's going on. But I think the important thing is, um, People have an opportunity to learn a little bit of science. You don't need to go to MIT. You don't need to go to Harvard or Cornell. The, the issue is these are systems. Engineers, plumbers, electricians, people who work with their hands already get this. The people with common sense know something's wrong. The people who don't have any common sense and the people who have to kiss butt to get their degrees or this or that and who don't really 
uh, are, don't really think for themselves are the ones who are easily capable of becoming drones here. If you look at H1N1, I think a couple of billion people got infected with that, right? In the United States, 61 million people, and I think 60,000 people died, okay? 0.1%. People should go check those numbers. Um, we have 380 trillion <laughs> viruses in our body, okay? I'm not here to minimize a virus. Look, everyone should, um, if you look at broadly, right, people... You know, if you obviously have a sick person, people should wash their hands, right? If you look at most traditional cultures, before you ate a meal, you washed your hands, right? You gargled your mouth. After a meal, you washed your hands, right? This is just basic hygiene. Some cultures didn't shake hands. You know, they, they you know, did namaste, right? They had different ways because I think people over years learned that you try to minimize your passing of different infections, right? This is just common sense. Let's put that on one area over here. So cultures develop ways to protect the body, but you have really two extremes. One extreme is, um, imagine you, you had a child and you kept that child, you were overprotective, and you kept that child in day all day, right? You lived basically in a, uh, in a pristine, medical type, clean environment. Well, um, someone said 60 million infected, I just, uh, with H1N1, uh, 300,000 hospitalized, and 18,000 died, hardly any media with this. Okay, so someone, just wrote that. So that was the stats in the United States. But if you have someone who lives in a pristine, pristine environment, like in a bubble, now you have your next door neighbor who's a pig pen kid and he comes over. Well, you probably have to be careful because you've never exposed your child to anything. That child may need to be titrated, you know, little bit of the diseases so he gets his immune system learns, okay? What you would call a quote unquote a vaccine or some type of thing. If you have the other extreme, a kid is growing up in slums all day, right? He's constantly being exposed to stuff. The immune system never has a chance to recover, right? So that's the other extreme. Now, there is the aspect that of the middle path where you're supposed to be exposed to stuff. Your body gets stronger, no different than lifting weights. You stress your body 
it gets stronger. Maybe it goes through a little bit of pain, but it gets stronger and stronger and stronger, right? But when we don't teach people the concept of how the body works, oh my God, I got some sniffles, I got a headache. Oh, okay, you know what I'm saying? We don't understand that the body can withstand a certain amount of pain, provided provided you, are, you have not destroyed your body. So when you talk about this situation with Fauci, we're talking about him, we should go back to the entire HIV creating AIDS hypothesis, right? You remember, everyone remembers this, right? Most people think still today that HIV and AIDS are the same thing. They, they purposefully, the media and the academic scientists purposefully, purposefully put both of these together, purposefully manipulated people, okay? When you actually look at HIV, HIV is another virus, okay? People in Africa, I think 30, 50% of people are HIV positive. It's an, you don't see billions of people dying, okay? 60, 70% of Zambia has it. They're, they're alive, but HIV was used as a vehicle to create a fear-mongering. Um, uh, people like uh, Peter Duisberg, an eminent scientist, one of the earliest guys who got tenure at Berkeley, one of the earliest people to get into the National Academy of Sciences, Peter actually questioned this whole theory of Robert Gallo and Fauci, okay? He said, wait a minute. He, when you look at the first 87 AIDS patients, quote unquote HIV AIDS patients. You know what you find, Bishop? You find out, what's that? Uh, what's that? Yeah, what you find is something fascinating. So you find that there's not one paper uh, that showed the causal relationship between HIV and AIDS. There's a postulate called Koch's postulate. In science, HIV does not fit Koch's postulate and Peter brought this up. The other thing what Peter did find was that there are nearly 200 papers, 200 papers written telling amyl nitrites, amyl nitrites, which were called poppers in the 70s, directly causing immunosuppression, which means destroying the immune system, your T cells, poppers. Well, of those 87 AIDS cases, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I believe 90% of those people were gay men who were on poppers, okay? At that time, you know, there was a lot of promiscuity. You know, a guy would have 1,500 different sexual partners partying all day and night, taking poppers. Well, poppers cause destruction of your immune system. The other group of people that you find in this group were another set of people. And those set of people were the people who were, um, those set of people were the people who were uh, also doing um, you know, getting uh, IV blood transfusions, okay? But they, they spun it into, oh, it's the IV, it's, it's the uh, virus in the blood that's doing it, right? But it wasn't because when you get a blood transfusion, you know what happens? You have to get immunosuppressive drugs. Those immunosuppressive drugs, so if you go, you know, if someone, God forbid, you had to get blood, uh, Bishop, they give you immunosuppressive drugs so your immune system doesn't destroy your, your own body, okay? So that was the next group. And the third, third group were people who were IV drug users, massive amounts of IV drug users because you're compromising your immune system, okay? The CDC, when someone came in with AIDS, which is your T cell count below a certain level, well, they have all sorts of other viruses in them, okay? Well, they just chose this thing called HIV and made that the boogeyman. And that was Fauci. That was Robert Gallo. 
So we need to go back, and that's why I'm saying I believe he should be investigated. You know, his entire career needs to be investigated. Because, um, by the way, to give you the enormity of this and, and the reality of this, when I went back to MIT, I had read about this in 1993. I was in Hawaii, and a friend of mine's mother uh, said she had AIDS. And she gave me this book. And so I went through the book, and I said, wow. I said, so, I said, so from this book, you must have been either taking poppers or you were an IV drug user, or you got blood transfusion. She said, Shiva, I was a, uh, a heroin addict for seven years, okay? She compromised her immune system. The entire issue here is compromising the immune system. You compromise the immune system, you will, your body will overreact and cause destruction upon itself. That's what this is about. That's what AIDS is, immunosuppression. So by the way, as time went on, you know, what did they do? They wanted to resurrect drugs. So they took a drug called AZT, um, Bishop, and they made that the frontline attack. Well, that kills everything. That killed a lot of people. When the issue was to beef up your immune system, get back and living a normal life, get proper sleep, eat proper foods, right? You know, if, if, if you're in dire situations, start increasing your B, vitamins, etc. And that's how a lot of people did it. So now they call it age-related diseases, right? So they're very, very clever, but the entire idea was to fear-monger people. That's why I say this, is Fau this ain't Fauci's first rodeo. This ain't his first rodeo. So... And it's a rumor now, and I don't go by rumors. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy realist. And to our Global Spiritual Revolution partners and to the listeners of of Dr. Shiva all over the world here on the Life Radio Network 92.9 FM 1460 AM. You can listen live right now on liferadionj.com. Again, beloved, liferadionj.com and also through the iHeartRadio Network and the iHeartRadio Media Group here in New York City, New York. Uh, 609-614-3801. Again, beloved, 609-614-3801. Uh, continue to send in your, your questions via by email at global spiritual revolution radio at yahoo.com. Again, global spiritual revolution radio, uh, at yahoo.com. Fauci, Gates, Soros, Zuckerberg, deep state players, um, within COVID-19. Is it possible, uh, Dr. Shiva, that Certain bioweapons can be so meticulously designed and created to affect, let's say, African people, but not so much Indian people or European people. Is that, does the deep state have that ability to, um, through great meticulation, right, through this through great detail, right, to create the, these pathogens, these antigens, these bioweapons, okay, uh, COVID-19 to attack or to colonize a certain ethnic group, but at the same time, it may not affect, infect another ethnic group. Is yeah. Possible? Uh, yeah, so, so I think the question to everyone listening is, can the deep state, can basically, can you engineer, uh, you know, bioweaponry to affect certain groups? Look, uh, you can definitely do this, right? But let me just step back a little bit. I would argue we've already done that, okay? We, um, we, we make sure that in certain places, right, 
that people don't have access to proper food, okay? They have to go eat certain McDonald's and fast food, right? And other places like Malibu, where the Hollywood stars live, they have access to pristine, beautiful, organic food, okay? So we're already doing this kind of engineering through economic um, engineering, right? We, we created something called the Fed, okay? Um, in the 1913s, we created Bretton Woods in 1944. We created a methodology of using economic weaponry to segregate people, to transfer wealth to the deep state uh, over and over again. That's what 2009 was under Obama, right? So we have created other methods of controlling biology through manipulating the quality of food people have access to. But when, so I'm saying they already know how to do that. Let me tell you, doing this stuff at the molecular systems level is very difficult. It's not as easy as people think. But what they are doing, the term I came up with is called biomedia warfare. You take biology, you know, you create the hype, then you use the media to promote the hype. So you don't even you don't even need to spend the trillions. You know, it's a lot of work for them. They're lazy these guys, right? They want highest return for the lowest investment, right? So doing that is a lot of work, right? Then you got to deploy it. I'm not saying they cannot do it, but they already are doing that by the very fact that what we are cap what they're capable of, of, of doing is to use the ignorance of people with people like Fauci, with people like Gates, with people like Zuckerberg, right? Use people's ignorance of biology and then leverage. So fake science, leverage that with the media, fake news to create these biomedia weapons, right? It's like the boogeyman weapons, right? So that's what we're seeing right now. Now, the reality is that African-Americans and certain racial groups, um, they have a preponderance of diabetes, right? Type one, type two, caused by, you know, primarily economic issues, right? Some genetic, okay? But primarily you have groups of people or veterans, right? Homeless people. In fact, what's interesting with homeless people, you know, that what they found is homeless people are out during the day all day, right? And they have a lot of vitamin D stored up. And when they come in later, right, during the winter, they actually have a lot of good vitamin D stores. So they're pretty healthy on vitamin D. It's a, quite an interesting contradiction. Um, but the economically destitute, people who are busting their bonds, working hard, those people have deficiencies, right? So that is how, in many ways, we're doing biomedia weaponry right now, or bio, biological warfare, by denying certain people access to foods, certain people access to infrastructure, but you could definitely engineer these things, right? But I'm telling you, it's very difficult, okay? It's not as easy as you think. Um, uh, the virus has changed, you have to contain it. I mean, just for them to create a single man-made drug is difficult, okay? Um, it's not, but what's easier for them is to pay off Anderson Cooper, a CIA agent, right? Pay off a, a guy like Fauci. Um, you know, um, that's a lot easier for them to do. They don't even need to do a lot of creative work here and a lot of heart heavy lifting. They they do it through other means. Wow, and, and this is amazing. And you know, when we study the the um, when we talk about the chronology of Saint Jerome, it talks about the golden age, right? Yeah. Period, a, a 
what I call a chronology of dark. So I can have some water, hot water. Yeah. Why is this happening now? Are we going through this age of what we call darkness or gross darkness in, in, as far as this pandemic, this worldwide pandemic of fear through COVID-19? What's it, sir? Yeah, so it's it's a very interesting thing that you bring up, you know? Um, in in most cultures, what you just said, I think you, you talked about the, what a bishop just talked about is you have the different cycles of human civilization. The Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, right? Well, in Hindu mythology, right? Um, and it's even talked about, you know, in, in that mythology, it's said that the earth, and sort of matches with the Bible, um, it says about 5,000, the earth is about 6,000 years old, okay? Um, and in that model, around 6,000 years ago, began what's called the Kali Yuga. K-A-L-I Yuga. Y-U-G-A means the age. It's the same word as age. And it's not that dissimilar. It says at one time we had, you know, the golden age where people are very honorable. People were good human beings. Everyone was honest. People worked hard. And then we went down to the silver age and so on, the bronze. And now we get to what's called the Kali Yuga. And the Kali Yuga is what the the astrological calendars predict that we're in now, okay? And in the Kali Yuga, you have the utmost evil, you have the utmost Maya, M-A-Y-A, which is called illusion. People who say one thing actually mean another. You know, people who are supposed to speak the truth actually speak lies. And people who actually tell the truth are made to seem like they're telling the lies. So it's a complete age of deception. And so it also asserts that during this age is when and the individual, interesting enough, it may sound ironic, has the highest opportunity to connect with God and to be spiritually enlightened. In the, within the darkness is, is also the equal opportunity to connect with the light. And this is also said there, and, and, and I think many of the Christian traditions have also talked about this, right? And it is a time when you have to go into yourself because you really can't trust what's outside anymore. You have to connect with yourself with the truth within you which can start using your own common sense and 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 that's why i keep saying we need to know the truth you know be the light and find our way and that's what the opportunity is and knowing the truth meaning there's a way to understand the truth in my view it's to start seeing connect connecting the dots and fortunately science offers that uh, a bishop in what's called systems theory, okay? Systems thinking, that's why um, I'm a big, big educator. I love educating people on system, on how the ankle bone's connected to the foot bone. You know, I created a whole institute on this called Systems Health. When I finished my PhD, I went back to India in 2007 to eight, I took a little break. I actually wanted to understand how my grandmother, when I was a kid, was able to heal people by observing their face. She used a whole methodology. And what I found out was, that the ancients, you know, for thousands of years, had a different way of looking at the body as a system, and they had their own language. And interestingly enough, that language, Bishop, matches one-to-one -one with engineering systems theory. You know how no different than how a plumber or an engineer builds an airplane or takes care of a plumbing system. That's called engineering systems theory. And I put those together, I created a whole course series, I used to offer it at MIT. Never, no one ever paid me like Elizabeth Warren. Uh, we'd have hundreds of people come, and, and a lot of people would come. MDs would come, yoga teachers would come, and eventually I put that together in an institute I call Systems Health. And people, we started educating people 
taking lay people and teaching them a whole different way to understand the body as a system, independent of the current medical world, but it's based on a very rational way of looking at the body. So in my view, what we need to all start doing is to use this set of nonsense that's going on to understand, hey, how did we get here? And how do we become strong, right? How do we really regain our health? And that's only gonna come through beefing up our immune systems. Well, how do you get there? Well, you have to understand what a system is, okay? Um, otherwise, we're gonna always be misled. Fear, fear, fear. But when you see the interconnections of things, you start seeing the light, okay? Truth emerges when you start connecting the dots. But if you're only focused on one dot, which is what Fauci and these guys want us to do, then we don't see the interconnections of things. really interesting you know when I went back you know um, to you know I always loved biology but I had many interests you know in in, in 81 I did my uh, 87 I did my engineering electrical engineering degree at MIT went and started a company came back and did a degree my master's in uh, applied you know mechanics or engineering and a degree in design went back started another company but I came back in 2003 to do my PhD in bi biology right systems biology or biological engineering to be specific what was interesting is if people have a chance to actually go, you know, pick up, if everyone's listening, actually go study what's called transcription or Google or go on YouTube and check um, a ribosome, how transcription takes place. What am I talking about? I'm talking about we have a set of genes, right? And the genes give rise to a particular protein, which, and if you look at how this ribosome, this machinery works, it's like, it's amazing. It looks like a little factory, Bishop. And you see this extraordinary way that the, you're looking in the microscope, you're looking at this stuff, and you say, it's amazing that our body is functioning all these machinery, right? And it looks like almost someone designed it, okay? It's like, to me, it's, it's you know, now I have to, you know, as a biologist say, okay, you have to look at evolution and you look at natural design, but whatever way you look at it, it's quite amazing how the body actually works. It's quite amazing that we're actually alive and that we actually, you know, you know, make it to 70, 80 years old or whatever that number is, right? Um, or longer or shorter, or even we're alive even for one microsecond, you know? 
life is quite precious and the fact that we exist and we came here and we it's, it's all an amazing miracle in some ways and I think um, it's a it's an opportunity for us to reflect on that and realize that this thing that we call the human body and this thing that we live in called the earth and all the different things that go on is quite extraordinary um, and they are all intimately connected all these molecular systems and that's why when we so it's it's sort of um, dangerous to think this virus is going to wipe out the human race you know and just that notion of that thinking like that right it's in many ways anti-life it's 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 against common sense so but those in power always take advantage of people and they go against our own intuition and that's what we're at uh, up against right here the opportunity here is to yes there are viruses right do you go and hang out in slums all day i'm not saying that right but <laughs> you know what i am saying is that let's understand how we heal our bodies how we take care of them what are the principles of the human body that the body is a system um uh, that the body has you know a it likes to function it, it actually wants to be healthy it's not that the body wants to be unhealthy it actually wants to be healthy it wants you to do the right things to fuel it properly and if you do it it maintains its homeostasis and it gives back to you tenfold i mean everyone knows who's actually been sick how horrible it is and then everyone knows you have this opportunity where you feel great right and you thank god that you feel great the issue is those points that you feel great and good about yourself people need to almost have a diary to find out well how did i get there and how do I do more of that? I'm sharing with people very quickly, you know, one of the tools that I created when I got back from my understanding of this was a tool. One of my goals, uh, Bishop, is to make things accessible. The academics make things so complicated. And by the way, if you make it too accessible, they actually poo-poo it as though they're doing something great, right? You know, love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees really didn't like that. It's too simple, right? Take vitamin D. That's too simple right get some sun eat vitamin a that's too simple mds are trained if this go through the physician's desk reference come up with something complicated prescribe this drug so that's why it's fascinating the letter i wrote to the president basically said let's take people and put them into four groups right the covid 19 people let's give them high dosage a and d the people who are in critical care do that and give them you know 100 grams of vitamin c right vitamin c it's, it's natural it's pennies on the dollar give it to them and it's been done and then for the people who are absolutely healthy let's give them some maintenance dosage of vitamin a and d let's get back to work and the immunocompromised those people who are on you know these monoclonal antibodies who have diabetes right who have aids whatever they are well they should be very well you know we don't want infections to come to them right let's beef them up through the vitamin A and vitamin D support their immune systems. This is a practical solution, right? And what you understand is, what I'm sharing with people is that um, on the screen here, one of the ways is you find out that your body actually has a homeostasis, which means um, you can figure out, traditional systems of medicine did this, they would answer you, ask you a set of questions, my grandmother would look at your face, and you could figure out your particular homeostasis, where your body functions well and then if you do your own self-assessment you could actually find out and by the way to everyone listening i'm going to a site called your body your system where i have some nice graphics 
you could actually find out when your body is off course, Bishop. No different from an engineering standpoint. You know, you're, going, you're flying from Boston to San Francisco and your flight is off course because there's wind and all these other things, right? Well, what do you do? You change the inputs and you bring your airplane on course. Well, same thing. You feel a little different. You said, hey, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Let me catch up on that, right? Hey, you know, I ate something that was horrible. So you make these minor adjustments to bring your life to homeostasis. And one of the tools I created helps people figure it out. It's not to say buy this or buy that food prescribed. It's more to get people aware that your body has a natural system state, okay, where it likes to be. For you, and for you, a Bishop, it may be different than me because of your background, your epigenetics, right? Maybe different than me. But as long as we become aware of, hey, that's when I felt good, right? When I took a walk or I ate this way, you figure that out for yourself. Some, many cultures, Bishop had the concept of cleanses, right? You know, when the seasons changed, right? They typically did some type of parasite cleanse because all of us are imbued with, you know, parasites. That's why the solution with the hydroquinone, right? And the Zithromax. Now, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of that as a long-term solution. And you can see Fauci really didn't like that. But fundamentally, that solution was reducing, and if you look at it from a system standpoint, to reduce people's bacterial, microbial, and you know, parasitic load. A lot of people are unhealthy. Their immune systems are compromised. Think about it this way. They have a lot of bugs in them, okay? And what you're doing is many cultures would get rid of, you know, like in the, in the Bible, you talked about eating certain bitter fruits, right? Or I mean, bitter vegetables, right? because these would cleanse the system, right? The wormwood, the black walnuts. I mean, there's a whole range of things that you could use, but you can look at any traditional culture during seasonal changes, they would eat a different way, do some type of detoxing, not to hurt your body, but in a mild way that you rejuvenated your body for the next season. And this was part of natural, good, holistic living. Well, that's not even talked about in the modern medical world. It, modern medicine, Western medicine, came from war, okay? It came out of putting a soldier back on the field, Bishop. That's where it came from. It was about, and, and in that sense, it did some amazing things, right? Surgery and antibiotics when you needed it and anti-inflammatory steroids. But that's when you're in a crisis, right? That is not about maintaining your health. Eastern systems of medicine understood that, right? By and large. Overall, they would observe nature very quietly and they figured out, oh, I eat this food, it increases my metabolism. You know, these yogis who were actually teachers of the time would observe, you know, they'd stay in the forest and they'd understand how these different things affected them. They'd meditate to get a intuitive understanding of their body and they would, that the body was their laboratory directly. They didn't kill animals. They used, they tested on their own bodies, uh, right? So over time, the, uh, these civilizations built a whole pharmacopoeia of understanding over thousands of years. We in the West, right, starting with Florence Nightingale, as Florence Nightingale, by the way, I talk about this, was not just a nurse. She was a member of the American, uh, of the British Society of Statistics, a Royal Society of Statistics. She was the one who figured out that soldiers in the Crimean War were not dying because they got shot. They were dying when they came to the hospitals. In those days, you went to a hospital to die. There was the, there's two Fs there, filth, filth, and filth. So she said, let's clean up the hospitals. Let's 
you know, do hygiene, right? Let's bring in proper sanitation. And her idea was, wow, if the hospitals became places that were clean, then doctors would come there and do clinical research. And that was the beginning of the modern healthcare system, which goes back to war. Okay, so if you look at the modern healthcare system, they wait until you're in horrible shape. And then they apply weaponry, right? That's what they call it, chemotherapy. We're gonna blow up the cancer. Um, Eastern, look, I'm not against both. You, God forbid something horrible happens. You know, you definitely want Western medical facilities. That's that model to help you. But it is not the bazooka you wanna use everyday life, right? That's why um, we, have a, we have an amazing opportunity, in my view, to head into the golden age in 2020 or to the dark ages. We're literally at that inflection point, and that's what we're seeing play itself out right now. Wow. Again, uh, Dr. Shiva, you are absolutely blown our minds as we are discussing Fauci, Gates, Soros, Zuckerberg, deep state players within COVID-19 here on Global Spiritual Revolution Radio through the Life Radio Network. 92.9 FM, 1460 AM. You can listen right now online, right now on liferadionj.com or liferadionj.com. Continue to send the questions in. And um, we may not get to um, all, every single question tonight. And we have over, uh, looks like, close to uh, 1,400 questions from wow. more than, looks like, 135 nations around uh, the world. People just constantly seeking answers and and my question is concerning 5g um you know when i look on this simulation map put out uh by john hopkins university and it seems like uh we have a former mayor here mini mike bloomberg whose name is um uh, ascribed as part of the john hopkins university i guess the bloomberg school uh, of medicine or, uh, or physics but it seems like when I look at these nations like uh, the United States and Italy and Spain and Germany, right, and in China, France, it seems like most of these countries who have uh, access to 5G are really under this pandemic here or under this, um, they're being decimated. But when I look at Russia, uh, Dr. Shiman, when I look at Africa, um, they don't have 5G. Is there a connection uh, between yeah. 5G when it comes to bandwidth and radiation uh, in connection to COVID-19? Well, look, one thing is the countries that are implementing 5G, wireless, etc. You know, um, one practical thing we need to understand is going back to the media issue. I think um, media issue. I think China has about 200 million cameras today. One camera uh, for every four or five people. So, and that's brought to you by 5G because 5G um, runs on different bandwidths. So you need 5G to what they call it to create IOT, Internet of Things, where every object, everything can be monitored and watched and talks to each other. So you're so the way they sell it is, oh, you know, your refrigerator may run out of food. Right, and when I went to the MIT Media Lab, this was like a big thing. And your refrigerator would automatically signal Amazon, and then a robot will bring your food to you. Okay, this is a sales pitch. Okay, so the model is that 5G is the technology infrastructure that makes all of this possible. And by the way, China is probably uh, far ahead in the United States in doing this, which means they have geared up their infrastructure from an economic standpoint to be highly, highly. A mobile right 
move very, very quickly. And that's what 5G gives them the ability to do. Now, the ramifications of 5G on human biology, or for that matter, electromagnetic radiation on human biology is a very interesting area that is not fully explored with, with current medicine, right? Many years ago, uh, Bishop, I did a project when I was in, as an undergraduate. There was a group looking at, uh, remember high tension wires and cancer? There was some correlation that if you lived under high tension wires, you know those buzzing sounds, you know when I was living in Jersey, sometimes you go down certain highways, you, you see those big massive high tension wires. And there was uh, some concern uh, because they, you know, you literally have electricity going through and puts out an electromagnetic field, a B field. Was that affecting people's chemistries? And I remember looking at this many years ago, and one of the papers that came out uh, that I looked across um, was, was clearly said that within our body, we have what are called rhythms, okay? Circadian rhythms, all right? Um, the body follows certain rhythms, and these rhythms... Are, are really part of the endocrine system. And the, the um, third eye, you know, have you heard of that? The, 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 you know, people have it in, you know, I think Christ said when two eyes become one, uh, you, you'll see the kingdom of heaven. You know, I'm not a biblical scholar, but the point is many cultures have talked about the third eye. In the Indian culture, you know, when Shiva meditates, you know, he goes inward and you look into the third eye. Well, the third eye biologically is known as a pineal gland, P-I-N-E-A-L. And these researchers have found out that the pineal gland is actually a crystal, okay? In nature, there are different kinds of crystals. What does a crystal do? A crystal takes energy in one form and converts it to another form, okay? So there are crystals which can take heat and they'll convert it to electricity. That's called a thermoelectric crystal. Thermo means heat, or and they convert it to electricity. Another crystal is called a piezoelectric crystal, P-I-E-Z-O. Ultrasound machines, you know the scanners that they use when you get an ultrasound? They have piezoelectric crystals. A piezoelectric crystal takes mechanical energy, movement, sound, and it converts it to electricity. A microphone does that, right? You speak into a microphone, the sound waves convert that to electrical waves. Okay, that's how we're talking today. So the pineal gland, it turns out, is a piezoelectric crystal. Okay, it has those properties. Um, so I started doing a lot of research because I don't like to come out with stuff sort of half-baked. The other thing is in your brain are particles, which again, a lot of the biologists sort of ignore, called um, magnetites, M-A-G-N-E-T-I-T-S, they call it brain sand. And no one really knows what these are there for, okay? So lots of electromagnetic magnets, basically, all throughout your brain. So if you wanted to do, you know, so you basically have electricity, your body is able to take motion and convert it to electricity, and it has some properties of magnets. So you could think about your body has electromagnetic uh, energy in it, right? Or it modulates its own electromagnetism. We know this from when we go get an EKG done. So it, it doesn't seem that um, non, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem not that crazy that all this stuff that's going through our Wi-Fi, you know, the different types of radiation affects our own radiation, okay? And it's an area of medicine that's unfortunately not fully well explored. 
the one of the things I'm doing is probably over the next couple of months I'll be talking about this like I did when I talked about the genetic engineering stuff. We are using our technology Cytosolve. We have an engine that can literally model these molecular pathways and what I want to do is look at the molecular pathways of the immune system and see what happens when it's modulated by different types of bandwidths, right? Because 5G you can modulate it by different bandwidths. And there's papers written on it, but I want to do go down to the molecular systems level, Bishop, and understand what's going on. Um, but I think what you're talking about is there's a correlation with electricity. You know, when electricity came out, like at the time of the Spanish epidemic, the countries that were industrialized, and their correlation to health. Look, look if you go to Africa, very few people have gotten these diseases or probably villages in India. One of the reasons is people are out in the sun all day. They're digging for their own roots, right? They're living off the land. They're getting those tubers, those rich carotenoid rich tubers. So, um, and you know, they're not being exposed to all sorts of, um, you know, noise, be it um, pharmaceutical noise, or for that matter, you know, electromagnetic noise. But it, you know, in my view, there's um, enough stuff to show, uh, say probably, correlate that's going on but I think it's really important. I mean, when you start focusing on so many things, Bishop, we don't, it's easy also to get distracted, you know? How many things do we go after? And I think we should go after all of them, but right now, I think the opportunity is for people to understand from a systems perspective, the system of collusion among these deep state players, in summary, right? That there's a huge monetary interest for them to mandate vaccines or mandate medicine and that they have a huge uh, desire to enslave all of us. Since, you know, the times of the 1900s in this country when working people rose up, they got infrastructure which really lowered infectious diseases. And then ever since then, they've been wanting to, you know, put more and more working people in bondage. The Federal Reserve, if you look at it, was really created to force us into debt, the average working person, to force us to inflate money. Inflation really is when you separate labor from the product of labor, right? So you create an intermediary, which is what inflation is, an inflated value of money. Anyway, this this has been great. Yeah. Germany, all over the world. It, it, they're not really, their first goal is not to make 
Yeah, this Bishop, can you just give me, we, we, Bishop, one question on neuroplasticity. We can. How much? How long? How much longer are we going? So I can just let my people also know here. Oh, okay, great. Okay, so we're going to come back in a couple of minutes? Okay. Great. Did we lose him? I think we lost him. Uh, we'll see where he's coming back, but I just want to let everyone know we may be. Um, there's a very interesting article that just came out. Um, that just came out that says CBS admits to using footage from Italy in New York City coronavirus report. Okay? So my friend, a friend of mine just sent me this. CBS admits to using footage from Italy in New York City coronavirus report. So quite extraordinary. And then they, you know, someone caught him on this and uh, they said this was an error. Let me see. Let me, I'm just going to call Larry back uh, or Bishop back one second. Let me call him right back. Um, where are we here? Let's see. Well, maybe. Oh, here we go. Stand by. So we have pretty good followers, uh, responses, and questions up on uh, Instagram. Hello, everyone. Everyone, uh, hi to everyone on Facebook and uh, YouTube. Uh, Bishop, I think we lost you. Yeah, I'm sorry, we lost you. Yeah. Yeah, and we have five minutes. Is that right, Bishop? Five minutes. Yeah. So, so uh, it's some someone just. It's interesting. Someone, as you were asking that question, said, "How does a guy 
who ends up doing computers end up in medicine. They're sort of interestingly related. Let me explain. So uh, information, matter, and energy, okay? You know, Einstein really d sort of put forward the thesis that matter and energy are interconvertible, right? Matter and energy. So E equals MC squared describes that. What's, what I've been fascinated by is what is a relationship, what is information and what is the relationship between information and matter and information and energy? There was a famous uh, systems theorist by the name of Claude Shannon and Claude Shannon said information is negative entropy. What he was saying was that entropy is one theory in thermodynamic theory which says the entire universe wants to go into total chaos, right? Um, total, you know, it's, it's a simple way to think about entropy is you open up a perfume in a corner of a room and it spreads everywhere, right? Diffusion, right? Um, entropy means things want to go randomly. So what's the opposite of, you know, randomness organizing things, right? Negative entropy, negative uh, disorganization is information. So when you write a book, right, or you have a thought, that is, a con that is information. There's a very interesting phenomenon that people are noticing in physics. It is that the universe is not driven by matter and energy, but information at the edges. And so information is what comes through, and then we materialize it into action through energy. So, the, so that's what a thought is in a lot of ways, right? And, and the question is, where do these thoughts come from, right? If you talk to people who do a lot of creative work, and many times when I'm in a certain mode, I don't even know where some of these thoughts come from, Bishop, right? Or these ideas. So you have to conclude that they're coming from within or somewhere, and those thoughts come into us, and we convert them through our physical energy into matter, right? So you have an idea, hey, I'm going to create an email system, right? Well, it existed merely as a thought somewhere, right? And through, right? So, so when you talk about ideas or a thought, so the concept of, they call it psychoneuropharmacology, okay? It's a field of medicine. That thoughts can convert to molecular reactions, which can heal you. And people have done some very interesting studies in the area of placebos. For example... They, it's a very famous, interesting experiment that was done where people come in and they are taken into a, you know, they, they go up an elevator and they have two groups of people, one group who gets the drug and another group who doesn't get the drug, okay? So they had that group and testing did the drug work or not. But they did something interesting. When people came up that elevator, they gave one group of people who were not going to get the drug, the placebo. So you had the group who was going to get the drug and the other group who was not going to get the drug, the placebo, okay? The sugar water. Well, those people, they split those people into two groups. When they came up the elevator to go to the testing lab, one group of people were met with someone who was really friendly and nice and they gave them a nice warm cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? Treated them really nice. The other group was given, you know, a cold treatment. And they both were given placebos. You know what they found out? The people who were treated with love and kindness, that group of people had the placebo effect equal to or better than the drug. So there is clearly something that happens in the old days they call bedside manners, right? How you convey love to someone, right? How the caring. That clearly, just from that perspective, where you may call your joyfulness or your spiritual connection with God, right? You, you're not worried all the time, fearful. That definitely has effects on your biology and your immune system. So to your point, 
and I think it's a good way to sort of close this, is when we look at the fear-mongering, what does that do to your adrenal glands? What does that do to your pituitary or the, hypo, you know, the HPA axis? How does that get you into this flight or fight mode, right? And what is that doing to your body's chemistry? And the spiritual perspective, when you realize that we're part of something much larger, that to fight for things is the right thing to do, you know, be the light and we should fight, is because what does it mean to be a human being if you have no freedom? I don't think that's a human being anymore, right? So when you awaken to that, you get enormous amount of energy through your body. You get, I think, a sense of um, light. And, and then that itself must have, because that thought, that idea, must have very powerful effects to heal your body. We know this. We know um, that's why in many of these, you know, when my grandmother, when you went to get healing, she would, you know, burn certain herbs. There was a certain ritual. These rituals were not just rituals. You know, when you have ash, went, you know, we had Holy Ash Day, right? Or you would burn camphor, you would do these sages. You were creating an environment, a temple, right? That really helped people feel calm. You were creating a spiritual environment. And the value of that environment uh, is probably something that we don't fully comprehend how much value that it has. But we do know that there's enough Whenever they do quote-unquote drug experiments, you know, they have always have the placebo effect, right? And no one wants to explore the placebo effect. Well, maybe we should spend 90% of our effort on the placebo effect. Maybe we should create the placebo industry, you know, versus the pharma industry. Because we may understand that the body works in an enormously different way when it's under love and kindness and people feel strong. This does not mean some namby-pamby new age stuff, okay? I'm talking about being warrior spirits, right? You fight, you stand up, you have a vibrance to you. And by the way, if you smoke a lot of weed, this is a whole other thing we should do. The modern day weed, which has 25% more THC um, than the old substances we had, which could be healing. We're creating a whole generation of people who are sort of being lulled out, okay? And the establishment loves that. We have a lot of, I mean, I, 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 sometimes I find Bishop that, I, you know, we're like sort of the last of the Mohicans. We have many men in this world today who've lost their desire to fight. It's a very interesting phenomenon. And you have to start wondering where that's coming from. You know, the acceptance of, you know, horrible situations. Well, let that go on. Well, so, anyway.
beginning with the brain. I'm telling you, Dr. Shiva, um, hate to put you on the spot. Can you come back with this again? And, and let's do a part two to this because it is sure. Great, thank you. Great being here, Bishop. I'd love to come again. And anyone listening out there know that, you know, in addition to being a scientist and a fighter, you know, I am running for U.S. Senate. Um, people should go to shiva4senate.com and you can support the effort. And our, our slogan of our campaign is truth, freedom, and health. Without freedom, uh, you can't really have truth. And as, as we were just discussing here, Bishop, without truth, people create fake problems to fake solutions. And without health, we don't have the, the, you know, the strength to fight for freedom. And you create a, a, a cycle that's not good for our advancement. So I just put up, you know, if people want to go to our website, you can volunteer. We're in the midst of getting signatures. If people want to support the campaign, they can go up there. And as I keep mentioning, um, I want to teach people how systems are interconnected. And you'll see for people who support the campaign a certain amount, they, I think 25 or whatever, they get a great book and they also get you know, this tool to understand their body as a system. So I want to encourage people to go explore that, but would love to come again. Um, and, you know, we can talk about, you know, my, my view on Jesus. And I have a, you know, he, you know, I think I have a very personal relationship uh, with uh, what I believe uh, Jesus to be as a son of God in many ways. And, and by the way, the tradition I was brought up in also recognizes that. And I think, um, he was struggling in many ways in closing against the same forces we are struggling today, right? The hierarchy of a set of people who thought that they knew better and that simple solutions, you know, were not the right solutions. So anyway, I, thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity. I wish you and your viewers all my best. Sure. Paypal.me forward slash GSRR 
Media Group. One more time, paypal.me forward slash GSRR Media Group. When you give unto the Lord, he'll give you more to give. Good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. A lot of you are writing me also concerning Dr. Henry Wright. His book is called A More Excellent Way, okay? A More Excellent Way, Spiritual Roots of Disease, Pathways to Wholeness. And to Dr. Shiva, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bishop. And I, I want to thank all of our... Thank you. Thanks to all your viewers. And be, be well. Be the